welcome to Long Hill Chapel Online. Thanks for checking out our podcast where you can listen to our latest sermons filled with teaching, encouragement, and hope from God's Word. So whether you're in the car, on the couch, or just poured some coffee, let's dive into today's message. Good morning, Long Hill Chapel Online. Thank you so much for joining us. Today I'm going to start by talking about the heart of the matter. And I want to begin with a story about my friend, who actually was my son's kindergarten teacher. She was such a kind, friendly face that I would greet at the door when I would drop him off for kindergarten. And then as I got to know her throughout the year, I started to see that she had anxiety and that she was feeling a pull uh, towards different areas that she couldn't control. And it was starting to spiral and it would make her feel like she wasn't in control. And as I would talk to her, I realized that her hope was in different things that were temporal. It was in friends. It was in her job, what she did, how great of a teacher she was in her family. And then as I began to have a relationship with her, it went beyond the time that my child was in her school and I got to know her and I got to know her husband and then she's had children. And over the years, I really watched that spiraling get bigger and bigger because as she couldn't control things with her children's health or her husband's health, it would give her anxiety. It would keep her up at night. And then I noticed during COVID, there was this breaking point where she got, where she surrendered and she had to let it go. And she would ask me, how do I surrender the things that I'm trying to control, the anxious feelings that I have, the not being able to sleep at night? And so we had a great conversation about eternal things and why things that happen on earth are temporal and how that's not where our focus should be on because we're not in control. So I want us to start today that with Jesus calls us into this passage to surrender that we're going to talk about to his will. And it's the best way to live. So let's get started and read together Matthew 6, 19 through 24. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. You see, my friend realized that her hope was not in Jesus, that she was putting her hope and her treasures in the things that didn't matter. You know, our jobs are great, but they're not the be end all. And so this is my question. This is a matter of the heart. Who are you really serving? What do earthly treasures actually look like? We think of cars. We think of homes, jewelry, clothes, shoes. And you know, Daria loves a good pair of shoes. 
But dig a little bit deeper. What are the things you're living for? What do you really want to get out of life? Working to make a living is very different than working to get more. The fact is that you're never going to have enough. It will never be enough. And it will never stay enough. Now, I want to talk to you for a minute because what I am not saying is that you shouldn't work hard or provide for yourself or your families. We do need to do this. But what I am saying is that when there is an out of balance in this area, it is going to show. Contentment quickly turns to discontentment. And everything you're doing and the things that you are becoming is not enough. You look around and not only desire, but crave the bigger things. The next biggest thing, the newest car, the bigger house, the pool in the backyard, and the list can go on and on. This is where we cross over the line and make our focus more on materialistic things in our lives instead of the eternal things. Now on a spiritual level, you're not doing anything to take care of your soul. You're doing everything to take care of your flesh for the things. When we feed the desires of the flesh more than the desires of our soul, we lose that freedom. We become slaves to whatever cravings we are. We want to work more. We want more money because we want to get the next biggest thing. Now ask yourself this. When was the last time you spent alone with God? We need silence and solitude with him for a lot of reasons. And most of the time, it's to just listen for him, to ask him, but to sit there and hear from him. But we often only do this when there's something wrong or when we need to get something from him. When we focus so much on the things we want to get or working more hours, we miss out on the peace that comes from getting to know our Heavenly Father more. You can't serve both God and money. Or more appropriately, you can't serve God and yourself. So who are you serving? This is another matter of the heart in this passage. Who are you trusting? Let's read Matthew 6, 25 through 34. Therefore, I tell you, do not worry about your life. What you will eat or drink or about your body, what you will wear? Is not life more than food and the body more than clothes? Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet our Heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? Now let me pause for a second. And let me say that again. Can any one of you, by worrying, add a single hour to your life? How many of us stay up at night, have trouble falling asleep because of the things we're worrying about when they didn't even necessarily happen yet? Let's continue reading. And why do you worry about clothes? See how the flowers of the field grow? They do not labor or spin. Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith. 
So do not worry saying, what shall we eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. When was the last time you were asked to write a five and a 10-year plan? And how did you feel doing so? The first time I remember being asked to do this was when in high school, when we were graduating, to put into a time capsule. Where do you see yourself in five years? Where do you see yourself in 10 years? And I remember feeling, I don't really even know what I want to do with my life. I don't even know what major I'm going to have in college. Yet they want me to predict or say where I want to be in five years. And I realized those were all accomplished-based things, performance-based, leaning on my own ability stuff. All I hoped to achieve was the stuff. That was what I was writing down. Was I going to have kids? Was I going to have a job? Was I going to have a family? What did that look like? It was a list of things I had to accomplish in on my own. I was 17 years old when I graduated high school. I had no idea what my five or 10-year plan was going to be. And I don't know about you, but some days I don't even know I'm going to have dinner that night. (laughs) Everyone said I needed to pick a major by the time we left high school. And I couldn't even do that. I had no idea. And you want to know why? Because I wasn't leaving room for the Holy Spirit to speak into my life. What does trusting in yourself look like? Making five or 10 year plans for your life leaves no room for God to come in and disrupt it as he sees fit, as he wants to. It's like taking a sailboat out and you're using the oars to go and it's all your might and it's all your strength. And that's it. It's all your own effort. And you might not get anywhere if you're rowing against a current, if you're not going in the right way that God wants you to go. Not to mention, how can we possibly plan our lives five years from now? I don't know about you, but when I set out some goals in 2020, it didn't go the way that I had planned. And I know for many of you, it didn't as well. Now, I am not saying to not have goals. And I'm not saying to do or not to go or do where God calls you. But what I am saying is, who is guiding your next steps? Is your five or 10 year plan a reality? Or is it what you want? I have learned to take each season as it comes to make sure that I'm intentional to ask him if this is part of his plan or if it's part of my own plan. I rarely like to get more than six months ahead because I know that anything can change and I want to have open hands for whatever that could be. When we trust in ourselves, we put such undue pressure on ourselves to provide for us and our families when all along God has us in the palm of his hand. And his care for us is so much better than we can do for ourselves. But the real question is, do we actually believe that? And do our actions reflect it? This behavior can be very hard to change. 
When you have the world screaming at you from every angle to plan and be the best that you can be and do everything you can and that you are enough and you're good enough, you're strong enough, you have it all inside of you. How can we change the way we live and the change we think, especially when it's already a habit we are in? We have to be intentional to seek his kingdom first as a way of life in all things and in all times. Here's how we can tell if we are seeking the kingdom first. Your perspective changes. Your perspective of what life is about shifts from the things seen and can be touched to what is unseen and can only be felt in your heart. The shift in paradigm here causes a change in the things that you treasure from the materialistic to the spiritual, from food that nourishes body to the food that nourishes your soul, from desires that feed the flesh to desires that feed the, the, the spirit. Your desires change. We all enjoy living with excess and our eyes are bigger than our stomachs. How often do we go to a restaurant and we have to wait an hour for our, to get a seat? And then once we get in there, we've already looked at the menu and we order everything that we can think of that's good because we are famished. When we are seeking his kingdom first, the excess that we enjoy living with and want more of is the spirit. And if we look for where more of it can be found, that's where our nourishment comes from. Your heart changes. The passions of the heart change from what I don't have or what I want to the things that Jesus has provided for you already. There's another word for that, and it's contentment. When you seek his kingdom first, when you treasure the things of heaven, the eternal is all that matters anyway. And then all that you have now is somehow enough for you. When you seek his kingdom first, the things you desire are eternal. And the things you're passionate about have everlasting impact. Your mind changes. The worries, the troubles, the cares, the concerns you have always had about your life and the lives of your family and friends all change. It's not about getting everything you can or getting the best of everything. Your primary objective, your most important brain activity is engaging your father in prayer and spending time with him. Now, how do we get there? There's intentional surrender. We don't do this alone. Jesus wants us to walk arm in arm with him, walking with him in every way you've never walked before. That requires us to be intentional about listening for his voice and following it above the others. This means filtering out the most of what you hear, then intentionally choosing to follow him. This is what my friend had to do. She had to block out all the worry and noise of the world and focus on just spending time with her heavenly father. She had to know that he was the authority. He was the one in control. She was not. She had to release her hands and surrender herself, her family, her children, her job, everything. Intentional reflection. 
Look at what you spend your resources, time, talents, money on most. What lives rent-free in your mind? What occupies your mind that has no place to take up space? We have to become more and more aware of the hindrances that keep us from letting God have control. And we can't walk in this new way alone. We need Jesus and we need others to help us as well. That's where community is so important. Locking arm in arms with Jesus, but locking arm in arms with others as well. Intentional serving. The more habits we form that advance the kingdom of heaven, the fewer habits we have that won't. The more we serve regularly, the more it becomes second nature to us and we want to do it. It becomes who we are and how we naturally function. Just as we need others with the self-reflecting, we need others to form habits with. So when you serve, don't do it alone. Bring others with you. Grab a friend. One of the things that I hear the most in family ministry is that new people who come to serve, they get to know people so much faster by serving together. So a lot of times we'll put new people who want to serve in children's ministry in the nursery because they want to be with the babies. And you know what? It allows them to have conversation and get to know each other and to build friendships so much so that they're connecting outside of church now. Who are you bringing along with you when you serve? Can you bring somebody else along with you when you serve? This gives you an opportunity to connect with people outside of just Sunday mornings. Then we become a community of kingdom advancers rather than our own empire builders. It becomes bigger than us. We have to go after these things. They won't just happen on their own. It all starts with the heart. What you desire is all what you will pursue. Where is your heart this morning? Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you for the gift of your word, for helping us to know the things that have eternal kingdom impact are far greater than things that we see on earth. Father, help us to examine our hearts this morning, to know what we might need to put down in order to fulfill what you're calling us to. Help us to examine the time that we spend things on, where our finances go, how we serve and spend our time. Father, I pray that we would continue to draw closer to you, that we would spend time in your word, and that we would remember that being intentional in those ways have far greater kingdom impact than anything that we can control on our own. We thank you for this morning. We thank you for the time together. And it's your name I pray. Amen. Thanks for listening today. To connect with us further, you can visit our website at lhcnj.net or on social media at LHCNJ. And we'll be back next week with another sermon. Until then, have a great week and God bless.